and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. Keen listeners amongst you have probably noticed that this isn't the voice of Ben Byford. I'm in fact another Ben. I'm Ben Gilbert. I know this is going to be a little bit confusing, two Bens creating this podcast, so to alleviate the confusion, Ben Byford and I have spoken and we've agreed that we will refer to Ben Byford as the other Ben from here on out, whereas I'll be known simply as Ben. I assure you we have agreed this, this isn't a complete abuse of power while I'm in control of the microphone. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from Rohan Shah. Rohan's a sixth year PhD candidate at UC Berkeley and writer of the Alignment Newsletter. We hope you enjoy this episode. So, hello and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Rohan Shah. Rohan, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Rohan. I'm a sixth year PhD student at the Center for Human Compatible AI at UC Berkeley. Yeah, interesting things about me. I write a newsletter about AI alignment. It is unimaginatively called the Alignment Newsletter. Um, but uh, and my research is basically focused on this general problem of how do we get AI systems that do what we intend them to do, given that we can't yeah. literally write down exactly what we want them to do. Yeah. And uh, looking at your website as well, I saw almost vegan. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it's an interesting policy. So I care, I care about the like suffering of animals uh, on factory farms, um, which normally you'd think would say I should just be vegan and never eat any animal products whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, the particular thing that comes up, situation that comes up in my case uh, fairly often is that, you know, I'm going to some sort of event, the event has, yeah has a, bu- a bunch of free food um, and it's got vegetarian options but not vegan options. So in those sorts of situations, I will eat the vegetarian food yeah. and donate the money saved by like having free food. Yeah, it was like yeah. almost like a lesson of what we find when we're trying to do things which are you know, regarded as ethical AI where uh, there is no one universal answer. It's always going to be an edge case. And yep. you can't have this one universal policy of I'll do this and in every instance this is the right choice. Yep. You've got to treat things on a case-by-case basis. But, yeah. And we have a question which we always ask mm-hmm. uh, at the start of these episodes uh, because sometimes the answer changes from person to person. Mm-hmm. But could you tell us, what is AI? Yeah, I kind of hate this question. It's so freaking <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, to some, AI is that which we cannot yet do, and therefore we can never achieve it. Mm. Um, I prefer, I don't like that particular definition. Yeah. Um, I think, I usually think of AI systems as uh, systems that are autonomously acting in the world. Um, they receive, you know, some sort of inputs, do some sort of like cognition and scare quotes, mm. um, and then like. And then produce uh, some sort of outputs, typically in the pursuit of some goal. Yeah. Um, this includes a thermostat. You know, it's yeah. not a great definition, but yeah. I've not been able to find yeah. a good one. But I suppose is that like a definition that works within the context of your work? So what you regard as AI when you're when you're working? I think for me, I focus on a much more narrow subset of AI systems by default. Um, Mm. I usually look at deep reinforcement learning in particular. Yeah. uh, And there you can have a much more formal and technical definition. Yeah. It's, uh, I've had a similar question faced me throughout my work, which is a slightly more general one, but uh, for years, uh, technology companies have been going through the conversation of asking, what is digital? 
Oh no, <laughs> it's dreadful. My my best answer is uh, people will always say digital is not a technology. It's like a state of mind. It's a way of working. No, no, that's uh, uh, not digital. Oh. That's being an entrepreneur. <laughs> Use the wrong word. Can we stop, please? Um, sorry, sidetracking myself. Um, and could you give us a description of the? I suppose you've slightly done it in uh, in your introduction as well. But uh, what do we mean when we're talking about AI safety? Yeah, so there's like a bunch of things that people could mean by AI safety. Um, I am going to focus on what I call AI alignment, yeah. uh, which is not necessarily an agreed upon term, but I'm usually thinking of how do we build an AI system that is trying to do what we want uh, it to do. Yeah. Um, what exactly does it mean for an AI system to be trying something? Well, um, don't really know, mm. but we're hoping that we could figure something out that like would yeah. make that work. Because there's, there's this other, you could shoot for, mm. we want an AI system that actually does what we want it to do. Yeah. This seems like basically unachievable just because like there will be some things that your AI yeah. systems don't know. It could make a mistake yeah. and like do something bad yeah. because of that. And you, you aren't going to be able to eliminate all the mistakes a priori without ever, seeing, without ever running your AI system. Um, so I am trying for that mm. hopefully easier thing of like trying to do what you want. Yeah. There are other things that other people mean by AI safety. So for example, for people who are putting AI systems on planes, they have a much more um, strict notion of safety. And they, in fact, do try to do this. Um, it will never make a mistake. And so they try to prove theorems um, that say something like, as long as the wind forces on the airplane are at most such and such, and as long yeah. as like these other conditions hold and the like engine operates in this particular way, um, and like the actions have like these particular um, mm. effects on the plane, then the plane will never crash. Yeah. So, do we have a sort of gauge of where those those kind of different things happen? Where you've described in the first instance, we're talking about it can try, and that seems like a yeah you know, very different sort of interpretation of robustness compared to as you're saying for the flyby line, like the the autopilot on an airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in some sense you might be like wondering, well, why don't we just go with the thing that we already have? Seems like we've got some, some uh, theorems that work this way, uh, and we can just like try and scale those up to the systems that we actually care about. I think this is, on the face of it, a reasonable intuition. The reason I don't subscribe to it is mm. that the real world is just like super, super complicated. Yeah. Everything's um, an edge case. Yeah, everything is an edge case, right? And the nice thing about airplanes is, I mean, I hesitate to, hesitate to say that like aerodynamics are easy. Yeah. It's not. Uh, but still, it's like governed by like simple equations yeah. that we like at least can over approximate yeah. without introducing a huge amount of approximation error. This just seems not very true in the yeah. real world. Like. In the real world, you can be like, oh, well, there, there could be, like, or even in the airplane case, like your theorems are not going to say, oh, if lightning strikes the airplane, then yeah. the airplane is like fine. Yeah. Um, and how does it strike the airplane? Which yeah. parts of the airplane? Exactly. How many lightning and like similarly in the yeah. real world, there are like just lots yeah. of these sorts of things that are sort of like lightning strike type things. Yeah. Like just having weird exceptional yeah. situations is really the norm in um, everyday life. I've heard this sort of comparison between uh, like autonomous vehicles and autonomous planes. People sort of saying, 
well, yeah, surely it's way more difficult to fly a plane than drive a car. We can do that. Why can't we make cars? And yeah. The comparison, well, yes, it's difficult for you to fly a plane because you've not trained on one. Yeah. And the taking off and landing, yes, that's complicated. But otherwise, we're dealing with miles between obstacles. Yeah. You have minutes to react in a car. As much as you're only traveling at 70 miles an hour, you're, you're, there are meters between objects. You have split seconds to react. So yeah. Oh, I like this analogy. This is a great analogy. I'm going to use it sometimes. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Always yeah. reference me. <laughs> Never needs to do it. Uh, so, how do you tell me why you think we need to be worried about powerful AI systems? Yeah. Um, so there is this tradition in... A tradition is the wrong word. The way AI research is done, typically, is you assume that you have some specification of mm. the behavior that you want some like some some specification that's like handed down from god basically it's yeah. like correct never it's like never wrong uh you can trust it absolutely 100 percent um and this is like not limited to deep reinforcement learning in, yeah. in that case it's the reward function that is the specification handed down to you um but it, it also applies to other kinds of ai like in search you have a goal state in logic you have the like boolean formula that tells you whether yeah. you're done um uh, whether you've satisfied the like constraint uh in constraint satisfaction yeah. constraint satisfaction programming there's like a set of constraints um so point being in ai it is specify what to do and that specification is assumed perfect and then do it find a way to do it and yeah. the air part is in the finding the way to do it yeah. part um, the like core problem as I see it is like we don't have a good way of specifying uh, yeah. what to do like in the real world just it is very difficult to specify literally and completely and in all situations what an AI system should do um, and since all of our AI methods assume such a specification mm. um, they are going to be very hard to apply in the setting with particularly intelligent agents um, if you give them this ego that is certain that yeah. it like is pursuing with all of its intelligence, if you like actually take that seriously, it implies some like very weird uh, conclusions. Um, so, for example, by default, any system that is pursuing a long-term goal is yeah. going to want to survive. It's not going to let you turn it off if it can help it, because if you turn it off, it doesn't achieve its goal. Uh, similarly it's going to uh, maybe try to like gain a bunch of power in the world, gain a bunch of computing resources so yeah. that it can, more ex it can explore more of the like, possibilities in order to achieve its goal, right? You don't need to, like, without programming this in, just from the fact that it's like pursuing a goal, for most goals, this tends to arise. Yeah. Um, and if we can't get the goal, if, if we don't know how to specify the right goal, yeah. then it will end up... Um, you know, pursuing the goal, even though we don't yeah. want it to. Other concerns around, I mean, not just the goal we try to program into it, but like the sub goals it might create for itself to try and achieve the sort of, I guess, ultimate utility function. Uh, right. So, so I think the survival uh, example that I gave is in some sense a sub goal. Yeah. Um, is that the sort of thing you were mentioning? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, yeah, that sort of thing where we're we're saying the AI, we might have told it to maximize some other thing, but it's thinking that, that you know, people might get in its way and prevent it from being able to fulfill that. Yeah, exactly. In, in some sense, I feel like these sub goals are like the entire reason there is a problem yeah. or something. Like, yeah. 
to the extent that people are going to prevent it from achieving its goal, yeah. which if the goal is not the same as our goals, we probably would, uh, yeah. it is going to want to stop us from doing that. Yeah. And that seems like a bad thing. You don't want yeah. a like very intelligent system trying to stop you from doing things yeah. that will probably succeed. <laughs> so what sort of solutions are people looking into for this? Is there a way that we could perhaps uh, limit or redline things that it could create in a, in a sub goal? Yeah, so there are a bunch of things that um, people are doing. You mentioned limiting the AI system. So there's like, I, I like to categorize it into two, two different things. There's like one set of approaches, which is limiting the AI system, basically preventing it from ever taking catastrophic actions, but not yeah. saying whether or not it'll be useful in the like non-catastrophic cases. Yeah. And then there's the other case, which is like, we are going to make this AI system useful to humans. And like, part of being useful to humans is like not doing anything catastrophic. Yeah. Um, so on the limiting side, as you mentioned, uh, some things that people look into are like, uh, one is called boxing. Yeah. So in boxing, basically, you try to constrain the input output channels that the AI has, like maybe all it can do is like write text on a monitor. It can't do anything more than that. And like then, um, and the hope is that if an AI is constrained in this way, uh, then it's not going to be able to like do anything particularly bad. Yeah. Uh, it's like unclear if this actually works. Maybe yeah. a super intelligent agent could like write yeah. really convincing text that tells a human, hey, like really what you should be doing yeah. is like, giving me access to like a whole bunch of other yeah. stuff and then like the human's convinced and does that and yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah, I remember reading from uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky's AI box experiment where yep. uh, as just a human level intelligence, he has convinced people to allow him out of the box. Yep. How? I don't know. I have theories as to what I do, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are definitely interesting experiments. Yeah. I am also curious how he did it. Also have theories, but yeah. yeah. All right. What's, what's your top theory for how he's done it? I forget exactly. Yeah. So like there's the, there's an obvious, there's an obvious way to do it, but I think he said he didn't do it this way, yeah. which is just tell the other person, Hey, if you let me out of this box, then people will be convinced air risk is real. And yeah, then people, precisely. yeah, <laughs> you say I, for the media story, let me out. Yeah. And then people will take notice. But. Yeah. I think he said that is not what he did, Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I suppose not related to that idea of boxing, but uh, also related to how we're choosing sort of human-centric or useful applications of AI. Mm -hmm. um, are there areas where you think we should be uh, pursuing AI more greatly? And the converse to that, are there areas where you think we should limit our use of AI? So I'm going to answer this question like on the current margin, uh, basically just like changes to the current world. I feel like in general, I'm I want more use of AI technology yeah. um, in the sense that current systems are like pretty different from the sorts of systems I worry about. They're, mm. They don't have this generality, this ability to like generalize to new domains, to plan in new situations yeah. that it hasn't encountered before. Um, but they are still like quite useful. Um, so for example, you brought up self-driving cars, mm. man, sure it seems like a great application if we can get it to work. And yeah. like, it seems like we're getting close to getting it to work. Uh, but that's something that people are already uh, invested in pretty well. 
I think we could stand to be a bit less bit less risk averse around yeah. self-driving cars. Uh, like the goal is to get them to be like safer than humans, not yeah. perfectly safe. Yeah. And like at that point, they it's a net win to put them on the yeah. roads. So it's an interesting argument where um, I think if if they were precisely as safe as human drivers, mm -hmm. those sorts of conversations, people often say I I I'd still rather a human because it's almost as though they want someone to blame if there's an mm -hmm. accident, um, which. Partly, I, I appreciate that the human thing if you want to be able to blame someone for having done something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you've got to think, normally, fatal car accidents, people don't do them intentionally. Yeah. If you are the person driving and someone has you know, died as a result of your driving, that's probably going to be pretty damaging to your life as well. Yep. That seems so, pretty true. Yeah. But if, if you sort of change the, the numbers a bit and if you say, all right, we're not saying we'll make it a thousand times safer, but say it's twice as safe as a human driving, you know, mm -hmm. for half as many fatal accidents, would you rather that you had a human to blame, or that it was half as likely as your friend, a family member, significant other, was involved in a car accident. People start thinking, you know what, I, the I'll, safety I'll do it without good. someone to blame. Yeah, I, I, seems I, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. You definitely want, like, in the case where, like, a human, you, yeah. like, sort of the use, besides the, like, ability to ascribe blame and, like, sort of have, like, outlet for your emotion or something, for which I think, blame the AI, I, I, that seems fine to me. Yeah. Um, I think there's also like, in terms of like the law that you want, you also want yeah. the ability to be compensated, uh, yeah. for which we have insurance. And like, I don't know, maybe people are imagining that like, if the AI is driving the car, then mm -hmm. there will be like some big corporation that's like, you are driving, like you are, um, accepting the risk of being yeah. driven by the self-driving car. Yeah. If you get killed, we do not promise to pay anything. Yeah. And I think to the extent that that is the, that consumers will be like, yeah. no, I'm not doing uh, getting in the self-driving car. Then I think like companies will just be like, okay, well, yeah. we just will compensate you if you die. It seems yeah. like, or like they will buy their own insurance or something yeah. like this. So I feel relatively okay about that. Yeah. Like I just sort of expect the world to figure it out at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, that was maybe a bit of a tangent. That's all right. I think this is intended to be almost entirely tangents. Great. We're doing the right thing. Um, so do you have any thoughts on areas where you would limit? Uh, oh, right. If start on like the present day type of AI things that we have now. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to say because... So, so people talk about, for example, like recommendation algorithms yeah. are like causing extreme political views. It's hard for me to say because I don't really understand how exactly this happens. I would want yeah. to know more about the algorithms. Like, in some sense, me like, I don't like. I want Netflix to keep recommending movies to me. That yeah. seems like a good thing. Yeah. But maybe I don't. And I, I also want YouTube to like recommend videos yeah. often. Um, like, there is a source of value there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also a source of disvalue in that apparently. Not apparently, I think it's pretty likely that, like, in fact, these algorithms also cause people to become extremists in ways yeah. that are, like, um, caused by fake news. Um, but I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know that I would say that taking away the recommendation algorithms entirely yeah. is better than having them. Yeah. Yeah. So very non-committal answer, mostly because I'm just not an expert in this, and it's like, I don't know. People talk about risks a lot. Yeah. It, people rarely talk about the benefits. You've yeah. got to trade them off. And in the world where your option is like deploy this algorithm or don't, 
which is like what it yeah. is when you haven't solved the problem yet, you'd like also need to quantify the benefits if you yeah. want to make a good decision. And in most areas of AI, I just don't really know what they yeah. are. Yeah, but looking further out, so you know, where some of your work centered on that sort of general intelligence. Yeah. Are there areas where you think we wouldn't want to have a machine taking over human thought? Yeah, so there's like, I think there are only really a few cases that are sort of like pathological, not pathological exactly, but yeah. like um, edge cases is probably yeah. a better word for it. Um, like service industries, for example, like mm. um, this is not a great description of me, but yeah. other people uh, seem to like the human touch. Um, yeah. I am much happier with an automated system to make like to like schedule my dentist appointment or yeah. something if it works well. Yeah. Um, but some people like talking to a person on yeah. the phone in order to do this. Yeah. And like, that seems like a place where we would still want humans yeah. involved. Um, I could imagine people, um, or, or things like the Olympics. Like if you just build a robot that can yeah. like play tennis really well and have it play against humans, this seems like not as interesting. Like yeah. Olympics are about like human achievement, <laughs> right? So like the Olympics, probably yeah. still should be played by humans. But on the earlier point with the with like the, the phone call and liking to speak to a person, mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of the Google Duplex uh, service oh, yeah. when it was announced at the I.O. conference. Yep. And I mean, listening to it, were we not sort of primed watching that video to know that it's an AI, you think, this just sounds so much like a human. Yeah. It's adding in all these... I would have been hours. fooled. Yeah, yep. like all these things which you think that's not utility, that's not the Google Assistant. It's just adding them in because there is some utility to someone believing it's a human and they'll give it a bit more time to find the right time slot on the right day. Yeah. So, you know, people watch that at the conference, you sort of have the faces in the crowd of minds being blown in front of your face. But then, yep. like a day or two after, the, the sort of public response was, yeah, but it's really dishonest. Mm -hmm. uh, like people think they're interacting with the human and they're not. Yeah. Um, and I suppose Google did iterate on that slightly. I think their, their change was that each time it calls, it will say, hi, Sorry, I am a robot, just to let you know, Google Assistant, but yep. work with me here to try. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a very interesting thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, the revealed preferences of humans are that like yeah. we want to know when we are talking to an AI versus a human. Yeah. I feel like there's a there's such interesting social science to be done here about like why. Yeah. What exactly is it? Like, you know, if the AI is going to respond just as a human would, yeah. why is it so bad that um, we're talking to an AI and we don't know it? Seems not yeah. ridiculous. You know, yeah. if I pretended to be a girl uh, yeah. while I was talking on the phone, no one would be like seriously offended at me or something like this, yeah. right? I suppose perhaps that's with the like pretending to be a girl thing, but it's like when, when people find out and their expectation is different from uh, what they thought was there and, uh, this is going on a bit of a philosophical tangent, so my turn for the tangents, but mm -hmm. like uh, in uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's work where he talks about being a nothingness, so he's got the sort of concept of nothingness, which is really just like the extension of uh, what we expect to be there and what we receive. So he's sort of talking about Pierre at the cafe, uh, or he's, he said he's meeting his friend Pierre there, and he goes to the cafe uh, expecting to see him, you know, in the world before mobile phones, and Pierre's not there. And even though this cafe is full of people, to him it feels like it's empty. Um, mm. And it, it's sort of that thing of um, people were projecting an expectation onto the system they were talking to, thinking that there is emotional experience behind that voice. Yep. Then when the person turns up, their dentist appointment turns up, the restaurant uh, booking, 
and they said, oh, your friend who booked was, was all right. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, that was, that was my phone. It was a bit of software. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I just feel a little, yep, yep, yep. little bit off now that I found out. Yeah, seems right. Um, yeah, so there's like a few things that could be going on there, right? Yeah. One is like the violation of expectations. Yeah. Then another one is like the like, I wanted to be talking to a person who like really gets emotions or something yeah. like that or ha has an internal experience or yeah. something. Um, and like, that's probably not true of AI systems today, yeah. today, but like, I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, probably this AI did not have an internal experience. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Consciousness is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, does it understand emotions? Maybe? Depends, yeah. like, you, you now have to like really start unpacking what you mean by the word understand. Uh, like people will say, oh, it's just curve fitting. And mm. I don't know, my response to this is like, man, if curve fit, like, I don't like, neural nets can approximate any computable function. I claim that human brains are like still a computable function. Maybe some people will disagree with me on that, but I think that's a fairly normal yeah. claim. I suppose we get into conversations um, of is there some sort of emergentism? Is yeah. there some sort of panpsychism? You know, yeah. those, those are questions for right. the day. But like, if we if we if we like have that, it's like possible in principle that yeah. like this so-called curve fitting can yeah. like just do be a human brain yeah. and like do all the same computation as a human brain, and so. Yeah, so I think like there's just a deeper analysis to be done here of like what exactly do we mean by understand? Yeah. When can we say AI systems have achieved it? Uh, there aren't really knockdown arguments one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, it's we, we an sort of area seem that, to tie yeah. understanding with a conscious experience. I don't know why. Yeah, but it seems to be quite a common thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Probably people like agree that AlphaGo understands Go. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, seeing its moves being made, people would describe what's happening as creativity. Yeah. But then hearing it's an algorithm, they'll say, oh, it's just probability. I'll... I use probability. Yeah. I like probability. It makes helps me make better decisions. <laughs> it helps me be more creative. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to take it back to something you mentioned uh, quite a lot earlier when, when you were talking about what is, what is AI alignment. You were saying, uh, we're trying to align AI with the things that we want it to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and... The particular word in that I think is interesting is like the we in there. So what I'm interested in this is how do we define who we is? Yeah. So lots of fun stuff to be talked about here. So here's one story. Yeah. Uh, in one story, there's just no we. And we just like have AI systems that can be aligned to a specific human. Yeah. And you like buy your own super intelligent, uh, your super, your own super intelligent AI system. Mm. And it is you know, the factory like makes it so that it is aligned to you using yeah. some mechanism. We'll assume there's a lot of agents so there's yeah. no like single pole of power. Yeah, and got. so then like everyone buys their own yeah. like super intelligent agents, the like police get their AI agents to help them catch criminals, yeah. criminals get their AI agents to like better evade the police yeah. and so on. And like what this looks like is like sort of like the existing world but like turbocharged and going like yeah. way faster and being like more intelligent and having more impacts everywhere. Whether you think this is good or bad depends on like your view of like how the world progresses. Yeah. On like one view is like, man, we've like come such a long way since like our ancestors where like the standard of life gets better all the time and like yeah. probably that's just what's gonna happen when we get all these AI systems. And then like a different way you could see it is like, man, as you know, 
as we've gotten more and more capable, we've had more and more destructive technologies and like it's mm -hmm. been easier and easier for us to obliterate everything. Yeah. And like we just like keep fighting wars and eventually if we like have this like super powered, if, if AI powers us all, then like yeah. eventually someone somewhere is going to have a super destructive yeah. technology that destroys everything. And so that's like yeah. terrible. Um, and like both of these views sound reasonable to me and I'm like, I don't know which yeah. one it is actually right. I lean more yeah. towards the former than the latter, but like I'm not totally clear. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's one story yeah. where everyone gets their own individual yeah. AI system. Um, you can imagine another story where like all the like social choice theorists and all the voting theory uh, theorists um, all get together and like yeah. say this is like the one true yeah. system for it by which we can like get yeah. maybe not one true system. There are like yeah. lots of impossibility results saying you can't do that. But like this is a like sufficiently good system yeah. for like getting the preferences of all of yeah. humanity. Um, it's and, value, so. Yep. Um, and then like. Uh, feed them into an AI system that like, yeah. can then optimize it. This has like some tricky questions of, um, you, you start with this, you have to start dealing with tricky questions of like identity. Yeah. Like if at some point, like if you're really thinking long-term, if you think of like at some point, maybe humans can upload themselves to computers. Yeah. Uh, if that becomes possible, well then it's now possible to make copies of yourself. All right. You could also imagine cloning as a way to do this. Yeah. Um, if you can make copies of yourself, especially if they're cheap, then like if you do normal democracy, you can just like turn money into votes yeah. very easily by just like creating a bunch of copies of yourself yeah. if it's one person, one vote. And so now, now you have to deal with that problem and so on. So you could imagine one where like we like, as long as we don't fix the values, we could like start with like this one person, one vote democracy type thing or whatever yeah. it is that you know, the people who are experts in this, who are not me, uh, say we should do. So you could start with the system like that. And then just in the same way that like, the, I know the US better than anywhere else, but the, like the, the US constitution yeah. has been amended to like give voting rights to more people. Similarly, you can like amend this like institution over yeah. time as like things change crazily. I suppose at least for the time being, it could begin as one vote per natural person related to an yep. algorithm, regardless of how many algorithms they have assisting them. Yep. Yeah, so, and then there's like a big spectrum in between yeah. um, those two. So like one was like every, like very individualistic, everyone gets their own AI system yeah. um, and we just like let that play out how it plays out. And the other one is like very like sort of, yeah. not exactly centrally planned, but like institution is centrally built and then the AI system works within that central institution. Yeah. And then you want your institution to have legitimacy and like um, good like fairness yeah. properties and stuff like this. Yeah, cool. I'd love to talk about this more, uh, but we have a few questions that we, we tend to put at the end just cool. to gauge people's uh, sort of fears and their wishes for what's going to happen. I'm going to mm -hmm. start with the negative one so we can finish on a positive, but Great. what concerns you about AI? So, I mean, I've been talking about how, man, super intelligent agents with the wrong sorts of goals just like yeah. do really bad shit. Maybe it like kills us all or yeah. something, depending on what its goal is. Uh, that obviously yeah the, the the broader theme there is like there's a specification problem we don't know how to give it the goal that we want to give it um and this crops up in a bunch of other places um so people talk about fairness concerns i mean the main problem is 
there is no good definition of fairness that everyone will agree upon. And you see this in the literature. The literature is like, here are like a few criterions of fairness. You can never get all of them together, except if you're on like a knife's edge. Uh, it's the never studying philosophy. It's yeah. sort of like, we'll hear one theory and yeah, it's completely watertight. This has got to be true. And then the next lecture, this is completely contradictory, yep. but also watertight. Yeah. Uh, so in this context, we're thinking of like yep. utilitarianism versus egalitarianism. Maybe yep. there's a bit of like diminishing marginal utility or something else within mm-hmm. that. And all of them seem in different instances to make perfect sense. But yep. <laughs> as far yeah. as getting one which is universal, yeah. never happened. Exactly, right. And so like in, in the fairness case, you like, you have an AI system. Yeah. Someone somewhere is always going to be able to say that it's unfair because it's yeah. going to not meet one of the criteria for fairness. And like, we can't easily fix this because we don't, yeah. like, there's no criterion to yeah. actually do, uh, to actually, like, yeah. use to teach our AI systems. Um, yeah. So, like, anywhere where we want strong guarantees of our AI system, which involves, like, some fuzzy notions like, fairness yeah. or explainability or stuff like this yeah it currently seems quite hard yeah. to get ai systems to actually meet those criteria and so i'm like fairly worried about yeah. that yeah. um i mean i think i think the AI, com- ai research community will be able to come up with like reasonable enough yeah. solutions yeah. but not necess- but i doubt that they will come up with perfect solutions yeah. um still seems like an area that we need to uh, put more research into. And ending on that positive, what excites you most about AI? Man, uh, yeah, I feel like I want to go back to like the story of like our, how we've developed as a species. Yeah. We are now in the regime where like material goods are just not, not free certainly, but they're like ridiculously cheap and like, a friend, a friend made this point to me is like, you know, back in the day you had to like spend most of your effort yeah. just like getting enough food to survive. Yeah. It's like, call it 2000 calories. Yeah. Like a, a jar of peanut butter yeah. is like probably about 2000 calories. You yeah. can buy it for like, I think it's $2 in the yeah. States. I don't know what it is here. Um, and so even at like, you know, minimum wage yeah. of like $10 an hour, which is lower than the minimum wage in yeah. most parts of the US. That's like 12 minutes of work. Yeah. Like we've gone from a full day's work to 12 minutes of work for like all the calories yeah. you need. It's kind of, it's, it's mind boggling, right? Yeah, like these sort of conversations like, oh, food's getting really expensive now. And you think, all right, so your banana costs what, 20p? <laughs> <laughs> How much would it have cost you to get that from the other side of the world? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, three, 400 years ago. No, well, I don't know. I'm not great with my history. Let's say a thousand years ago. That seems more realistic to yep. the point where they couldn't get bananas over. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. quite like eating bananas. That's, that's been a good result for me. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, you know, we've done this, like, great job as a species yeah. of, like, being able to do material things. Yeah. What we haven't done so well, I think, is, like, being able to do information-type stuff, coordination. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've got these, you know, great computers in our heads, these brains. But they just, like, can't talk to each other very well. They're, like, limited to, like, this mode of communication yeah. at, at its fastest. Um, and, like, the internet's helped with this and that you can now, instead of doing one-on-one conversations, you can do yeah. many-to-one, uh, yeah. one-to-many conversations. Yeah. But even so, like, it's not great. And you can see this in the fact that, like, many of the biggest companies in the world are, like, primarily solving these sorts of information and coordination problems. Um, and, like, 
this is like the sort of domain that AI is like just like perfect for because there's lots of data because the internet. Um, it's completely yeah. uh, software based, digital. Um, not com like it depends on what you're trying to do, but many of the problems are like software based and digital. So like uh, easy for AI to operate in, whereas mm -hmm. in contrast, getting AI to work in the real world is like a horrible mess. Yeah. Um, and like there's just like so much value to be had. Yeah. And so I feel like this sort of outside view perspective makes me like really excited for all the coordination problems I don't yeah. even see yet that like AI is going yeah. to solve. Yeah. Um, and it feels like it's going to be a very big deal even in the near future. This is like even like, well, yeah. maybe it requires some amount of intelligence. I don't know. Um, but yeah, man, solving yeah. coordination problems. Yes. Awesome. Good. Well, thank you so much, Ray. Um, I'll post some links in the description of this as well, so you can find a uh, link to uh, Rogan's podcast. Uh, podcast, sorry, this is the podcast, Rogan's newsletter. Uh, and yep. uh, we'll see if there's any other material we want to add to that as well. So, okay, great. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to the end of the podcast. Thanks again to Rohin Shah and indeed Ben Gilbert, or should I say the real Ben Gilbert as he is on Twitter. You can find him there and you can find more about Rohin Shah at rohinshah.com. If you're indeed a Ben or a Benetta and want to get involved with the Machine Ethics podcast or have a topic or someone we should interview, then let us know at hello at machineethics.net. You can find more episodes at machine-ethics.net. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machineethics. And you can find us on Instagram, Machine Ethics Podcast, Twitter, YouTube, etc. This is Ben Byford signing off, and thanks for listening. <laughs>